This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the porn cast where we are really, really ready to petition for instead of the bald eagle to have the national animal be the shaved beaver. I'm your co-host, Yvette Dontremont. Here's my lovely co-host, Alice Vaughn. Alice, what's happening behind those big, beautiful blues of yours? Well, my big, beautiful blues are actually green, but it's okay. I haven't looked deep enough into them for a while. Look, Clearly. Maybe I'm exhausted. Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. I got nothing. Then again, I did have blue hands the other day. I sent you a photo of that. I'm just surprised Uh, there wasn't a blue tongue to go. What did you blow to get that much blue on you? Okay, so I was not on the set of the Smurfs porn parody, but, or Avatar porn parody. I know everybody's been asking for it, but. One day. Look. I believe in you, Alice. I believe in you. I was doing something way less erotic and I was dyeing some clothing at home. And I thought, you know what? Let me just rinse this all off without gloves. What's the harm? And then I, yeah, looked like I jacked off a Smurf. Yeah, we always trick ourselves into thinking, and this, I've done this when I've done at-home hair dye jobs too. It's like, oh yeah, it'll only take a second. I just need to feel it to make sure it's all out of my hair. And I need the gloves off to do that. And my fingernails regret that decision, don't they? (laughs) Well, that's not the first or last time you said, I need to get this out of my hair. Especially not with regards to what we do here. Move. Yeah. So that's the thing that's happened. So we have an exciting show today. We have a very exciting guest for the show today, that's for sure. We have someone who's not only a member of the Avian XRCO and Urban X Hall of Fame. I mean, you may know her from her Sears XM shows, the Lisa Anor Experience, or representing the gosh darn two in state Alaska when who's Dalen Palin? It's Lisa Ann. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I was so thrilled when I got to listen to the porn review of Who's Nail and Palin with the one and only Tom Arnold, who I got to tell you, as an interviewer myself, I loved how that all started because his phone kept ringing and he kept getting it. It wasn't that his phone was ringing. He was getting it. And that's what made me laugh even harder. And I was thinking about you two that you probably... Maybe it's something else to do afterwards. We had nah. so much time allotted for this. And I was giggling and giggling. And I listened to it while I was getting my nails done. That's where I always catch up on podcasts. <laughs> and it was just, it was, and it's always funny though, because everyone's like quiet in there or they're napping. And then I'm just like listening to my headset, just like laughing and laughing. But what an entertaining Oh yeah. Review. I laughed so hard. Uh, many comments. I, I would like to thank Tom and yourselves very much for complimenting my choice of lingerie. And one of the notes that I wanted to pull out for you is, you know, when you do a movie like this, a company like Hustler will come to you and they'll say, you know, we can help you with wardrobe. You never, ever, Mm. if you have any sense of style or dignity, allow a (laughs) porno company to shop for you. Because Um, I will tell you, it won't be pretty. It will be polyester and it will be cheesy. So I decided that I made the executive decision and that Palin was always going to wear Tahari suits. Oh. That I was going to purchase them at Macy's, though I would always use a coupon. I'm still getting a little discount. How can you not? It's all for them myself because there's no seamstress that understands why I could want to destroy these beautiful suits and make them too small for me. You know, like you just can't tell the lady at your dry cleaner this. So I alter them myself. I do so. Oh, wow. But at the end of the day, I spent way more on my wardrobe than I made on the entire series of Who's Nail and Palin. Really? God. I did. But it was an investment because I'm not an idiot. I wore those suits then on the road to feature dance. I also knew that everyone was going to see these movies. And that was really 
you know, it's like starting out of the gate as an actor or an actress, you've got to do some things to build your brand. And to me, it was like, invest in this properly and then really maximize how much exposure you get and come off right, you know? That was brilliant. And didn't that really launch your brand? Yes, I had already been in the business a long time, but that was like next level, you know, because it became really more than a porn. It was like pop culture. And at the time, you know, I look at it now versus then, and I feel fortunate that I was involved in the Palin situation, which was really fun and light. And unlike politics now, example, I was just trolling Twitter when I was waiting to chat with y'all. And I see a girl that I like very much. And She called AOC the C word on Twitter. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to not be involved in a porn parody about politics right now because people just take things now to levels like, you know what? No woman should speak about another woman that way. If you don't like the person, don't listen to what they're saying. That's your choice. But just verbally vomit negativity. I didn't have that with Palin. It was campy. It was fun. It was great. The porn was hilarious. The acting in it was fantastic. The writing was fantastic. You had great material for that. I mean, the character is great. I hate that we're talking about a political person as a character. But, you know, the character, you had so much to work with. And they did a good job of turning her into a great character for you to work with. I agree. It was a great experience for me. And it got me, you know, to do a lot of things, including playing Sarah Palin in the Eminem video for the song We Made You. You know, when I got that call. I didn't realize that. Yes. And I was like, okay, here we go. Like, of course, so you know, none of my friends are in the business. So when I get phone calls, before I'd get phone calls from, let's say someone called and said they were from TMZ, normally it would be my friends pranking me. So when I get a phone call from Joseph Kahn that says, you know, Eminem wants you to be in their next movie. I'm like calling all my friends, like who's pranking me right now. And it was real. <laughs> this is really happening. So it's fantastic. It's a game changer. That was a really cool experience. And that was a really cool music video. Huh. Okay. I'm definitely watching it right after this show. I'm blown away. Oh yeah. We're hanging up and we're, we're watching this together. And I'll tell you a moment from that video that was spectacular. Eminem is very guarded. So of course we weren't allowed to have any phones or recording devices and we had all of our stuff separate from us. But at one point, We're all in the green room. And when you watch the video, you'll understand. It's called We Made You. And it's all the lifelikes that were popular at that time. Amy Winehouse was in it. A Kim Kardashian lookalike was in it. Like every Britney Spears lookalike was in it. When you see this and then you picture, we all had a moment where we're just sitting having snacks in the green room, all dressed in our outfits. Oh my and God. I thought this is the most memorable moment yes. from this because everyone looked so true to life to the person that they were parodying. And the Kim Kardashian one was great because they push her into this wood chipper and instead of flesh coming out, money comes out. <laughs> Oh, I feel bad for laughing at that, but it's funny. It was so funny and so well done. And it was just a great experience for me. See, my favorite piece of work that you've done to date, and I think for me, this is just a classic. You know which movie I'm talking about or which clip I'm talking about when I say the bathroom scene. Oh my God, the lifeguard. That is my favorite of all time, favorite of all time. And as a matter of fact, if there was one thing that I could redo and like do all the series. Eva, have you seen this lifeguard? scene? I have not. So you know what? Talk me and our listeners through it all together. It lands on Reddit regularly. It's a big topic. So here's what it was. I'm I'm a lifeguard 
And my male talent, who, by the way, that guy, he's kind of like, you know, some of the guys, and this is no offense to anyone watching this in the industry, but he's kind of a mimbo. And so when they picked him, I was like, what's going to be great about this is he's such a bad actor and he's so into what he looks like all the time. But it's so perfect. So I, he's soaking in the bathtub. And I insist that there's a shark in the water and that I have to save him. And he completely doesn't understand. So he's like, what are you talking about? This is a bathtub. And I keep insisting, you know, this is my ploy to have sex with this dumb young man. But you got it. That is like the best shit ever. It's by Wicked. You guys can look it up. Just search Lisa Ann Lifeguard Bathtub. I mean, it's epic. It's epic. I, see, I love campy, beautiful, fun porno. I love the sillier, the better. Yeah, it's funny because my husband used to try to like throw it at me for, you know, stuff we'd watch together. And then I started doing this podcast and now it's all I watch. And now like I accidentally got into it. Right. But it's because you got to find what you're looking for. And it takes a lot of trauma to sift through, right? There's a lot of stuff where you're like, oh, why is that girl doing that? Does she know what she's doing? Is she coherent? And then, then you find something that's like, oh, this chick's going to save this guy from a bathtub and have sex with him. He's good looking. She's good looking. I think I want to see them have sex. This could be hot. No one's going to get choked or spit on or smacked here. We're good. And there's a fun intro. And I love how creative people are getting nowadays. So for example, I was talking to Kate Kennedy the other day. She was saying, oh, well, what scenes should I do next? And I sent her a photo of something I found on Pornhub, which said, big ass Latina teen chased by lesbian loving T-Rex on a hoverboard, then fucked. I would watch that. I yeah. That's a genre specifically built for me. It's very unique. It definitely it captures a unique audience. I feel it could have cross genre appeal, and that's why I support it. Inclusivity coming from the person who is trying to plan a birthday party three years ahead. So I'll be fifty in three years, and so I'm trying to get a sports shot themed party where I could have like the Philly fanatics serving drinks and Mr. and Mrs. Met. And this is like a big deal. So I get where you're going with that because the whole, you know, dinosaur or whatever that thing was. Yeah. Yeah. But wait a minute. Hold on. We need your dermatologist phone number and we need it now. That's, I'll that's be 47 in May. Holy shit. It's a culmination of things that I do. So, you know, people ask me a lot, like, what's your secret to staying healthy? I'll tell you. I did all my partying when I was young, so I don't really get too decadent in anything. I pretty much really don't even have the appeal to drink alcohol anymore. Once in a while, I'll drink with friends, but it's a social thing. I'll have bottles of wine at home and never open them because I'm like, ah, that's a task. And then I'm afraid I'm going to drink the whole bottle just because you know you opened it. It's just too much. I don't want to break the seal. I really am religious with my upkeep. I do cryotherapy about five days a week, which is where you put yourself into a freeze tank. I've heard of I've that. I've been doing that for about three years now. And I would say that is the one thing at this age that has made the biggest difference. I also work out five days a week. I eat a strict plant-based diet. I haven't eaten any meat or dairy. I cheat on cheese once in a while, but I shouldn't because it makes me break out. And it's all about everything. So I factor in when I'm going to be sleeping, how hard I'm going to be working, what my discipline is, water, vitamins. You know, it's just not one thing. And people are Mm -hmm. like, should I work out or eat right? I'm like, if you really want to look good for a long time, it's a system that has to be in place. It's a lifestyle. And my free time is spent either like tonight, I'm going to go to heat therapy. I lay under an infrared blanket for an hour and sweat my ass off till you feel like you're actually going to die. 
but you sleep like a baby. It releases all the toxins from your skin and your body. And so I'm always doing these little things that are accelerating the growth of my cells, the renewal of my cells, that's teaching my body how to self-regulate its temperature because that burns a lot of calories and it allows you to work out harder because you don't get as hot. I was just in Alaska for a week and our warmest day was 10 degrees and it had no effect on me at all. I don't get sick. It's really been a culmination of a lot of things. It's a job. If I wasn't a nude model, I don't know if I'd invest so much time, right? But when you're on camera, you should. When you're going to be dancing on the road naked, you should. But if I had another gig, like when I was doing sports radio only for a couple of years, I mean, I wasn't even getting my nails done. I was like, oh, this is great. I don't even have to get my nails done. I could just do my own nails and just keep them neat. I really did simplify, but these are all of the things that add up to what I need to be doing to be on high definition camera naked. And that makes complete sense because, yeah, I mean, I probably would do the same thing if I was on an HD camera because holy crap, that shows everything. Remember those Stridex you used to use on oh, your geez. face when you were a teenager? Yep. I use that shit on my ass every day. Okay. That was my next question was, and and what do we do for all the things that used to not show up on like the grainy 70s porn? Yeah, you have to really take care of yourself. Like I'll know before a shoot for like two days before a shoot, I won't wear any tight jeans or anything restrictive. I'll just wear loose fitting pants Mm -hmm. because a lot of that is where these things come from is clothes that you're wearing, things that you're doing. So, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a conscious thought of when I'm going to tan. I don't want to tan the day before a shoot. I would tan like two days before a shoot. So I'm not getting darker as the day goes on, on a set day. But yeah, I use Stridex after the shower on my butt. You know what? It feels great. I've never even considered that. (laughs) Oh yeah. I was coming out of the shower today and I, after shaving my entire body, because every few days I have to do that or else I'm a beast. We find out that she's actually a werewolf. Possibly. Uh, A blonde one, but you know, these things happen. It's the Northeast thing. But one thing that always annoys me is butt hair. And my my boyfriend has this mirror for the back of his head so he could see the line of where his hair growth is. And I realized, I was like, that would be probably really needed if I was on camera or I was doing anal scenes because I I don't know when the hair ends. I mean, then again, that could be if there's waxing. Many ways you can do it. You can sit on the floor with a mirror and kind of do it. But, you know, you get used to it. I would mean used everywhere. Jesus. A mirror does help, but you actually also can get really used to it. Like the day of a shoot, I always soak in the tub first thing in the morning and that's the perfect place for me to shave my butt because that's the perfect place for me to have the right angles and to really feel it with my fingers and make sure that everything's perfectly smooth. But the tip, let me give you a little tip about your shaving procedure every three days. Are you ready for this? I will take it. We're all ready for this. The book is called The Power of Habit. If you haven't read it, you should. The more things that you can make a daily habit, the less blood sugar you use. So the more decision-making juices you have left to fight over things like parking and shit like that, right? So if you just shave every day, then eventually it's always perfect because you don't have to do as massive of a once over. Like I shave every single day, no matter what, because I consider that hope. If I'm not shaving, that means I'm not planning anybody may come down there. And I would like to know that there's hope in my life. So not shaving to me is like not having hope, you know? And if you just do it regularly every day, all these little patches that you miss on your knees are gone. Because you know, one day you look down, you're like, oh my gosh, there's that patch on my knee, you know? 
Every day. Uh, Tiny little thing. Get into a rhythm. Pick a song that you like. Have a shaving song and just play that thing. All right. I'll shave my armpits every day. Fine. You win. We'll, We'll start there. We'll start there. Maybe my mustache. I shave every day. Everything. I wish I had that kind of time. I mean, I have hope. I need hope to shave. I'm married. I'm I'm out of hope. I'm just kidding. Allow the shave. Flip it. I'm just flipping it on you. I'm flipping the script. Allow the shave to give you the hope. Is it? Is it that getting out of that shower and having that freshly shaven leg slash asshole slash everything else you're shaving, does it make you, does it give an extra spring in your step like, I can conquer this fucking day and then look goddamn cute if I fuck someone? Um, Actually, no. During the process, it gives me this anything could go down and you oh. are fucking ready. Oh, I like that. That's an inspirational hope for me right there. See, a tub of lube does the same thing for me. I got it. It's on our Amazon wish list, 55-gallon drum of lube. How much does that cost nowadays? Like a grand or two? It's gonna, oh. You know what? We'll buy it. Coconut oil as well. It's true. Because the thing with that much lube is I fear it's going to get in someone's hair just because that's a lot of lube. Lube fucks up your hair. So coconut oil is fine because once it gets in your hair, it's no big deal. I hadn't considered that. I also don't have any idea what kind of lube this is in this 55-gallon drum. Oh, I know a lot of companies that sell it in that size because there's some companies on set that refill smaller bottles. They buy a big bottle. Oh. Um, but I, I just don't like sharing lube bottles on set because like, they'll like, hand it to you. And I'm like, yeah, that's okay. I have no fucking idea how many people touch that, okay? Oh, yeah. I'm all set, thanks. Okay, get your gloves, okay? Understandable. <laughs> I didn't even realize that could be a line item on set. Drums of lube. As we found out doing this porn cast, our porn subscriptions are a line item. Yeah. Or you guys, a tax deduction as well. Exactly. Oh, yeah. My favorite was going to my accountant this year and listing off, oh, hey, I here are all my expenses and then having to walk him through. Wait, Alice, you're writing off porn. Yes, I am. You're writing off a gift mask. Yes, I am. Well, I have to look at my accountant and say, uh, so there's a new website that started last year that I started working on and it's called My Sexy Auctions. He's like, what is it? I'm like, oh, I'm selling my panties, my bras, my underwear, my stuff. And, you know, and, and, and it was a nice chunk of money. He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> you are selling your underwear for this much money. I go, you know, it's a, it's a lot of packages. I mean, add it up to be that much money. Like, Yes, this is my side hustle. Fuck Uber. This is my side hustle, okay? I'm just saying, I I know there have to be a lot of women who, if they could sell their panties and know there's a small truckload of money in it, they would. Yeah. Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? Come on. I have very loyal fans, and I have to also say, I have a weird uh, pleasure point for filling orders, and I have a lot of things that I collect. So when I go to trade shows, I go to booths and I collect stuff. And I have like this big box in my closet. And so when someone orders something from me, I take the time. I, I have a four by six printer. I print out their own unique photos of me in the outfit that normally I've taken myself with my timer on my fucking stand. And I wrap it up with tissue and spritz it with perfume. And then I put in all this other little stuff, like little packets of lube from Fleshlight and all this stuff. And it's a care package. And I usually ship my orders unless I'm traveling within 24 hours, because I feel like Amazon has trained us all to believe that when you order something, you want it right now. So I try to get it out to them right away. I'll throw in a DVD or two. And so it's a small business thing where there's certain tasks that have a start 
and an end and you find pleasure in them because you actually accomplish something. Whereas other things are like lingering forever, like an interview you want to get done or your taxes or things that are a lot more than just one task. Exactly. But that's really nice that you put a personal touch to each and every order. I hadn't even considered that because I know, you know, a lot of porn stars do personalized clips. I hadn't even considered personalizing a care package of when you send your, you know, the panties that you wore for a shootout. Yeah, oh. why not? You know what I mean? It makes it special. I want it does. I, and it's nice because I get return business that way because they know they're gonna get some unique little items inside their bag. And then I get to be a geek and put all these little trinkets inside their bag and you know. Sounds like a way to make it extra fun. Fuck yeah, it's extra fun funds. <laughs> So I have to ask, so you were in porn for a while, then you left porn, you did a bunch of other stuff, you know, you did a whole fantasy football show and you're so well accomplished, but then last year you came back. You know, there's definitely no doubt that being involved in the business uh, my whole life, there's a connection here. There's something that I have that I realized when I was gone that we don't have a lot of. It seems that when people become successful in the business, it's so easy to just take your money and walk away, but there still needs to be a positive influence and there still needs to be like the survivor out there who can be an example for other people. I miss the talent so much. Like I'm so close with so many of the guys that I work with and we're really good friends and this was really my kind of sexual social life as well as my social life. I don't go out at night. It's just not my thing, but yet I'll go on the road when it's not football season because during football season, I work on sports radio about three days a week. So it's a bit busier and I work about 30 hours a week in prep time and writing articles. So I don't have as much time to travel, but then on the off season, like right now it's fantasy baseball, which I do play. I still have my show every Monday night at 10 PM on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio. But I find that going to the strip clubs and feature dancing or going to an event and hosting is very social for me. So it feeds my need to have a purpose to get out. And I also get to make some money. And so it's been fascinating to me because taking a three-year break allowed me to do a lot of neat things. And it allowed me to be still for the first time in my life. And when you're still, you kind of really evaluate things. And a lot of the people in my life had changed. My core people were still the same. But when you leave an industry, things change. And I realized that I probably didn't have as much gratitude towards the business that I should have because I let myself get burned out by It's hard to not get greedy and to want to work so much when people are offering you work and offering you money. And what ends up happening is everything starts to become stressful. And then you realize later, well, it wasn't really stressful. I created a disaster by putting too much on my plate and then not being able to be committed to each thing that I was doing. And then you're just this vicious circle. And so stepping back allowed me to go like, holy shit, you know, my passport was so full that I traveled and the agent said, you have to get a new passport, not because it's expired because you don't have any pages left. And I thought to myself, like this whole thing is because of porn. Like I've traveled the world because of this business. And like when I looked at my friends who I became closer with in sports radio that really only get like two vacation times a year to actually travel. And then maybe they don't have the time to go somewhere as far as Europe and, and adjust to the travel or they have kids or they're going to family and it really made me step back and be like, you know what? You had a really good thing going. And for a long time, I knew it. 
But I allowed a lot of naysayers in my life to tell me that my life would be better when I left the business, that I should be doing something else, and that I'm going to be more valuable to society when I'm doing something else. And so I really compromised who I was as a person to try and fit within like these rules that other people had. And then I realized once I did that, I was like, wait a minute, this isn't who I am. And I'm only going to be happy if I'm happy. I'm not going to be happier because my work environment changes or my people change now. I will say this, taking that three-year break helped me cut ties with a lot of very bad people in the business that I shouldn't have been doing business with. Some negative dance agents, some people that now I spend time talking to girls and educating them on how to book themselves because I don't want them to deal with these men that are just disrespectful to them. And these girls are out there, young entrepreneurs working their asses off. And then this agent just swears at them and treats them like shit, like calls them a useless bitch. I've been there. I dealt with it for years. How common are uh, are predatory agents in the industry like that? I would say 90%. Really? Jesus. It's a mentality that believes that if the girls have any sort of empowerment, any sort of money saved, any sort of confidence, that they won't need them. And the problem is they don't provide a good enough service to be needed. They don't introduce the girls to an accountant. They don't help them benefit their lives. They don't talk to them about health insurance. They don't educate them on the things that they should. They just want them working and working and working. And this is a business where some of these new girls will do 25 scenes in one month. Yeah. And they end up in the hospital for two weeks because their vagina's fucking broken. Oh my I mean, God. Just, on the same token, I shoot about 20 scenes a year. That's it for me. You know, whereas other girls are shooting 20 scenes a month. I believe in making the most of it. I never shot that much, but there were times where I overworked. But the agents just they don't get it. And we're really weeding them out. And I don't know if you saw, I just was a big part of an NBC documentary that came out last month really undercovering one agent who's really incredibly evil. And uh, it's been very productive. We've gotten a lot of girls out of their contracts since that documentary. And it looks like the state is not going to renew his license. So he will no longer be able to do business. And so part of the purpose of me coming back, I was pulling around with the idea for about a year. And I made myself write a mission statement every month to see if I felt the same about it. And in that same ending deciding time, we had a lot of deaths in the industry. We had about five deaths in less than two oh months. Oh, God. Oh. And to me, it was either look at this and run or look at this and run closer because obviously we have to do better. And these are people's babies. I don't have kids, but these girls are young enough to be my kids. I'm old enough to be their mom. Many of them, I'm similar to their mom's age. So looking at that and going, these are young entrepreneurs who are making money and they're becoming lost humans in the system. We have to do better. And that really motivated me to come back and to really have a voice to work with FSC. I just got myself on the pass advisory board so I could start really being on the pulse of what's going on with testing and educating talent about their health and awareness and all these really good things, but they could only happen if I came back. Which is fantastic to hear because it's really unfortunate, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the average person who's in porn is only in porn for about three months and then they leave. And it's really unfortunate because in those three months, it's more than likely based on what you've told us, it's that they probably are encountering these people who are throwing them into scenes that they may not feel comfortable in, that throwing- Taking their money and lying about their money, you know, and just hurting them. And, you know, one of the things I brought up when we started this documentary was, listen, none of these girls hopped on a flight 
to come to a situation that was worse than what they left. Yeah. And a lot of times they get out here and they realize they were better off in their small town as a waitress. And to me, that's kind of sad because that lets me know their hopes and aspirations of whatever it was they saw on the other side are being really different. And it's also, they're not being taught that you have to have a lot of things going on. You should want to feature dance one weekend a month. You should do a bookstore or an appearance one weekend a month. You should shoot once or twice a month. Like it's the variance, but these agents get them addicted to the money. And they're like, you can make a thousand dollars a day if you shoot scenes every day. Oh God. Well, yeah, you can, but you're going to run out of scenes because companies only have so many scenes for the new girl. So you're going to shoot for about three months. Your work is going to completely dry up. And then you didn't plan on dancing. Like I always tell girls, What's wrong with going into a strip club where you live and making 500 bucks? There is nothing wrong with that. And I did it many times when I had the beginning of my career, when I wasn't popular, really busy yet. I would just frequent the local clubs and go and make some money. It's better than sitting home and doing nothing. Again, it's very social. And that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but they get hooked on the big money. And then when I bring up something that's $500, they're like, I don't want to leave my house for $500. And I'm like, there's people that go to work all week for $500. Yep. Yeah. It's perspective. For one night of work, it's a lot more than most people make. Mm-hmm. My old roommate lifted herself out of poverty with dancing. So, yeah. They had built my better. life. I started dancing when I was 16 and on my own. So, it built my life and it also kept me very straight because I saw what people look like when they're extremely intoxicated. I saw, you know, I can remember being a young girl and dancing. And when I was young, there were these commercials for drugs that were two eggs going into a yeah. frying pan. <laughs> yeah, this, this is, is your great on drugs. Uh, you know? yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, I smoke weed every day, just so you know, that's my drug. Wait, you live in Los Angeles, right? Yeah, live in it's- California. But I can remember sitting on the floor in a strip club dressing room when I was like 17 and looking around these women that were a lot older than me. They did a lot of drugs. And I thought, oh my God, those commercials were true. Look at these girls' brains on drugs. And it's so... Seeing all of that really young and knowing that my parents were never going to bail me out of jail and I was on my own really kept me straight. Yeah. Knowing that you don't have a safety net will do that to you. Oh, 100%. Oh, totally. And you went on to, I believe in 2014, launch a porn star boot camp. So a mentoring service? I did, but I will say I I made a a major mistake in the partner that I involved. Oh, no. Um, I shouldn't have. And so it didn't work out. But let's talk about the goals of it. Like, it, it sounds like it's a wonderful concept. It's a great concept, but here's what I've realized with myself. I'm better off off going one-on-one and sitting with the girls like I have been where I teach them how to use Hootsuite because I think it's very important for them to manage their social media properly and also give themselves a mental health day once a week where they don't look at what everybody's saying to them on social media. That took me three years to learn. Oh, really? Like I have 300,000 followers on Facebook and like it took me about the first three years of it to learn I have to take a day off once a week. It's not going to kill me. It made me realize it's like, you know what, if you're tired or if you're sick, if you just don't have it in you. If you don't touch your social media for a day, your followers aren't going to all unsubscribe. It took, but it took if three you years touch to your social out. media when you're tired, sick, hungry, you can fuck up your career forever. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So if you're overtired, just, you know what? Step back. And I'm also teaching them yeah. things like with orders by sexy auctions, for example, I'm teaching them to use stamps.com so they can print out the labels at home and be more efficient than just drop their stuff at the post office. So the idea of porn star bootcamp was great, but 
as me coming back now and the amount of wealth I've been able to establish in the industry and and the things that I've done, this should be information that I'm willing to offer for free. This should be something that I am willing to give back to the industry and the young people. This should not be a business. And so when it was almost turned into a business and it didn't work out, I said, blessing in disguise, because you know what needs to be done and you know who's willing to listen and you know people will reach out. And you're just going to have to carve out 10 to 20 hours a week that you commit to other people. This is the type of thing that you could probably throw on YouTube and set up a Patreon and people would, not only would young uh, women in the industry pay money for your insight, but people who are curious about your experience and what the takeaways are on how to make it, like just people who are interested in that in general, they'd love to tune in and people would support uh, would throw in money on Patreon just for the insight in general. Yeah. I think my question is, are there any resources for young men and women who want to There is now. Good. Where can they go? They can go to Inspire. And I tweet the link a lot. Inspire is a new generated site that allows everything from mental health platforms for Skype sessions to also all of us uploading videos of me like filling orders for my sexy auctions and doing... So we're all building this beautiful site and we're all adding to it. And it's become a Mm -hmm. hub where everybody who's either curious or people that are in the business or... And there's different levels. Are you a new performer? Do you want to learn these things? Are you an experienced performer? Do you want to do this? And so it's really coming together. And I can see being a part of these things has been great because... There's a lot of young people that are really sweet and tell me all the time that I've inspired them. And so it makes me want to work harder at it. And it also makes me want to, again, stay on the straight and narrow so that they can see a woman who lives a good quality of life and can be unaffected by the shaming and the tough parts of being in the business. You've inspired us just today alone. Thank you. It's like you make me want to get my my shit together and get more organized. I say that two days after moving when my life is in shambles and I can't find anything, but... But today is not about me kvetching about every pore in my body hurting, but still... Hearing you talk about how well, uh, how you've kept yourself together and how you kept yourself organized, it really, for someone who is drastically disorganized, this makes me go, I can do this. It's just, you really are inspiring to hear talk. Thank you. I'm old, so I should have my shit together by now. <laughs> Come on. If I didn't have my shit together right now, would you? I hope you judge you, me. You would be amazed. It's funny. My father-in-law has said, he's like, you see people getting to a certain age and if they don't have their shit together past, I think he said like 33-ish. He's it's like, they're off. never going to. Yeah. I I think if men haven't matured by 27, they never will. And if they haven't gotten their shit together by like mid thirties, it's just like, if they haven't at some point had their shit together, like, I mean, like if the TV is still on some sort of cinder block situation and you're 35, dude, like, no, I figure if you've at least had your shit together and you're on bad times, that can happen. But if you have never at any point in your life had it together, it can happen many times. Life ebbs and flows and there will come times where it's amazing Just the other day, I was talking to a bunch of my girlfriends and I said, you know, we're all in a really good place right now. I said, we have to hold on to this moment because we know that life does ebb and flow and we have to be prepared when one of us are, somebody is going through something, you know, because it's, it's not always smooth sailing. That's the reality with life. Accepting it is the best part. Oh, Oh, that is so true. I mean, that's the thing, you know, you're going to ride your highs, you're going to have the lows and everything in between. The day that you realize you cannot control the weather is, is a day when you have a a 
when the anxiety attacks go down a little bit. Yeah, you just have to ask yourself, can I control this or not? Uh, <laughs> that is basically my life plan to a T. Can I control this? Do you guys watch Broad City? I used to. Right, so I've seen a few episodes and I love everything I see from it. So they I'm- did something on the last episode that I loved. They were procrastinating and they, and they named it so cute. They're like, you know what? our later selves will take care of that. And they're like, yeah, our later selves. So that's like my new thing. If I am going to procrastinate, I say to myself, you know what? Your later self is going to be really looking forward to this task. (laughs) Oh yeah. My later self is going to- My later self. Didn't it just sound great? Myself of tomorrow is going to be my okay with unpacking. Deal with that. My new myself right now doesn't have to deal with that at all. Myself right now can't do shit. Myself right now unpacked an entire moving truck yesterday, and myself three days from now is going to be on everything. I'll even have bouncier hair. It'll be great. Yeah. My later self is always just going to be reveling in anxiety and planning stuff. So yeah, yeah. It's my later self is very similar to my now self. So <laughs> what do you do? I'll ask you one at a time, Alice first. When you feel that moment of anxiety where you have a lot going on and you don't know where to start and you find yourself almost in a panic of procrastination, what do you do to calm yourself down? So that's the thing. I feel like I'm never, as crazy as it sounds, I'm never procrastinating. She makes extra tasks for herself. That's not even a joke. I say this with um, love, but it makes it means you're way more on top of your shit and way more organized than the average human, which is pretty. But you amazing. do have anxiety, like we all do, about the times where you're like, "I have this huge list. Where do I start?" Yeah, but okay. So a little bit of background. So in my childhood, um, but actually in my childhood, my mother actually used to yell at me on simple tasks of why hasn't this been done when are you doing this? Do it now. And I would treat everything as if it were urgent. So nowadays I'll literally wake up and I'll have a to-do list and I see, okay, what can I knock out today? What has to be knocked out today? And I'm always just, you know, first thing first. So how do you handle? I panic and freak out over what to do next and try to get one thing done that day. And it's part of the big problem is that I uh, I do these long-term uh, investigative journalism pieces. And the, the last year I've had four pieces cut because the outlets I write for were afraid that they were going to get them sued because I, I write things about people that they'd rather not have written about them. So it's made everything a little bit more like every time I start writing in this in the last year, it's gone into the cycle in my brain of if I write it, it's going to be two months of uh, wasted research. Should I start writing this or should I start writing something for my own site? If I write it for my own site, am I going to get sued? Should I bother writing? Like it's just this cycle of being afraid to get sued. So I think her, uh, Alice's method of making a list is much less anxiety provoking than my method of overthinking everything. Which yeah, is why I make a list Every night before I go to bed and I rewrite my list at night before I go to bed, it's my last thing that I do. And like yesterday I wrote a play-by-play of my day from the minutes so I could do it on Periscope today and let everybody know what I did from 6 a.m. to 10.30. And it was so detailed. And I, and I carried the post-its with me. So when I was out running errands, I was logging like the travel time. Okay, 11.20, I left the passport office. Okay, I sat in traffic for an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. I feel like you two could just like make Excel spreadsheets <laughs> together for days. But I like, find that like there. one of the weird things that I do every night before I go to bed is I have to put everything away on my desk. And then I take a Clorox wipe. I wipe my desk. I rewrite my list because I don't like a lot of post-its around because that'll happen the next morning. And I learned that from when I was going to see a sleep 
therapist. I was having a tough time sleeping. I thought you were sleep talking. So you had a speech therapist for when you were sleeping. I couldn't sleep and I was grinding my teeth. Oh, so, and it was one of those things where I didn't want to take sleeping pills because I didn't like, I tried them and like one makes you eat in the middle of the night. (laughs) Don't need that. Uh, One makes you feel like you woke up chewing tinfoil. Like I didn't love that. Yes. Oh my God. What is that fucking taste, man? Apparently over only 25% of people, it's funny, I'm friends with the pharmaceutical researcher who discovered that one. We had a talk about it once. Uh, and she's like, yeah, only 25% of people get that horrible taste in their mouth. <gasps> so apparently we are in that 25%. Like, yeah, I'm I would, in that, we're in that elite group. And, and she said that she's like, yeah, Lunesta works so quickly that people will report like taking it in their bathroom and feeling like they're going to fall asleep on their way back to their room. Like that's almost too much for me. I want that half hour where I slowly like, okay, I've got a little bit of time to clean shit up. You know what I found works best for me? I, I eat an edible every night, just a 10, 10 oh, yeah. milligram before bed. And believe it or not, the edible will regulate your body temperature as well. And most of the time you wake up in the middle of the night because you're hot or you're cold. And so I really do seem to sleep really well and I don't have crazy dreams. It makes my muscles not feel like they're dying on me. So that is my my general attempt to sleep is, is with edibles. Yvette, you are kind of, I mean, at least in my circle as small as my, well, no, I have a big circle of people who smoke and do edibles. But the point is you seem to be the best baker of them all. Yeah. I, I make a lot. It's, Basically, uh, my my mother in law is a cultivator, so there's cannabis available to me. So I make pot butter. Uh, basically, whenever I'm out of pot butter, I make more pot butter, and so I make peanut butter cups with it. And the peanut butter cups that was that was a fun experience. Like those are pretty good, and I make these really really wonderful uh, oatmeal squares. That my God, like at first I was like, yeah, one one inch by one inch square will totally be enough. Oh my God, I was hallucinating, and I'm fairly tolerant at this point. So I'm like, I got to, I got to get the sound to like a centimeter or else it's not good. This is not, I'm not going to be functional, but those were it's the way you ingest it. And that's how it affects oh, yeah. you so much greater. I loved when I was in LA a few years ago. So I asked Yvette oh, to bring man. dessert. And so she brings pot brownies and pot Reese's peanut butter cups, or was it just the peanut butter cups and a bunch of chocolate? I believe it was the pot peanut butter cups. And that was like maybe the second or third time I'd made them and they were fucking strong. And that was the night that we had... Uh, we had one of the producers slash directors of like the Harold and Kumar films, and he was knocked off his ass as well from those. I, love it. I was I was pretty proud of myself. I make a strong edible. And it's funny because like I've worked in drug testing and all I want to do is take these and figure out how concentrated they are. It's like, let me find a way to extract the THC. Yeah, and because no batch is the same. And now with regulation in California, and I think this is a really good thing, it did briefly make a bottleneck on on edibles and other products because you have to have it tested before it goes to market now. But I would love to be able to just submit like my little home edibles to a lab and be like, so what's the concentration on this? Because I make a strong butter. But yeah, you throw, you know, four to five ounces into two pounds of butter and you're going to have a, you're going to have some strong cookies. Nice time. So speaking of regulation, Lisa, you've been in the industry long enough that you've probably seen porn stars getting censored, whether it is, I was just reading the other day of, you know, people having issues with their banks to trying to purchase equipment. Um, Have you ever run into that yourself? 
You know, it is a it is a slippery slope because it really depends on the person you're dealing with. I can remember when I first started bringing my ones into my bank in Pennsylvania and the ladies would not take them because they were stupid oh. ones. Oh. So I had to live my life with every purchase being me standing at a counter counting out, you know, 100 to 200 ones at the grocery store because nobody oh. would take them. We do run into these situations. And what I advise young people in the business to do is meet someone cool at your bank. Only do business with that one person. Go into the branch. Find their hours if you have to. And do things right. You know, a lot of times if talent's working for a lot of different companies, they make the mistake of depositing the checks and then the checks bounce. And when you're in an algorithm with your bank, you can have trouble with your bank because checks are bouncing on you. It's not about you. It's about the checks bouncing on you. So I try to tell talent like... Hey, if you get a random check from a company, go to their bank and cash it and then take the cash to your account with the bank slip that you cashed it because you really want to avoid any marks against you because the banks don't look at you as a human. You're just a number. And so here you're in this algorithm. You have 10 red checks. You're going to lose your account. There are people that discriminate. I mean, when I moved into the, where I live, um, I had to go through some shit because it's a private HOA. And there were a couple of people here that were insistent that I was a prostitute and that I was going to parties all the time. And it made me only want my place more. And the funny thing was, you know, I'm really only home. The first 10 years, I was probably at my house maybe 60 days a year. That's it. I was gone on the road. That's a perfect neighbor. Yeah, I don't use trash. Like, I'm not using a ton of water. Like, I'm not at the pool. The only neighbor that's better than that is one that will dog sit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I do see it and it does happen. And there's still going to be a lot of really small-minded people out there. It's always going to be an obstacle. But I remind people all the time, we didn't get in this business to have everybody agree with our choices. We didn't get in this business to reach out for acceptance from society. We got into this business because we're very unique individuals. We saw a fast track to making some money. And for me, the potential to travel was a lot. It was a big fucking hook for me. And so, yes, there's downsides. Now, when I hear people saying that like Facebook and Instagram discriminates against porn, I get furious and I'm going to tell you why. They do not discriminate against porn. What they are doing is 100% proper. They do not have an age gate on their fucking sites. It infuriates me how many people post porn on Twitter and a 12-year-old boy can have a Twitter account. We don't have an age gate on Twitter. You will notice that I I send PG-13 safe-for-work stuff because I do not want to put what I'm doing in the hands of a minor. So Twitter has kind of trained the young people to think that everywhere should be a free-for-all. And then they want to put their ass clapping on Instagram and they lose their account and they're like, oh, Instagram discriminates. No, Instagram has rules. Yeah, it's, it's always been a little weird to me to see that. And I mean, it's not that like, I'm not going to, I'm not making any judgments either way. Use your Twitter or Instagram account, however you want to. But it's always been a little surprising to me when I'm scrolling through oh. the adult actors that I like. And, you know, I like them personally. I like them professionally. And I want to see your gaping asshole at 630 in the morning when I'm checking my timeline. Ugh. It's, and I mean, it's just, it's not. Two minutes I, before coffee, a little early. Yeah. It's like, it's, I'm like, this wasn't what I was planning with my eggs, but you know, fertilized and over easy. I can't I open my Twitter on, on a plane or in public because I of course follow so many people in the industry and they're just constantly putting free porn on an unregulated site. Now it's interesting. We're talking about this because I've been invited to speak at the Oxford union in June in London. Congratulations. The topic is the fact that England is going to be the first country to establish the porn blocker. Yeah. And there's going to be age verification. You 
know what? I truly agree with this. And I agree with this because not only are parents not talking to their kids young enough about sex, but we are producing content that is beyond what's acceptable. And that seems to be what a lot of young people are getting their hands on. And so it's really mind-fucking them of what they think sexual interaction should be like. When I see young kids coming to me on Twitter like, can we fuck? I have to say to them, you do realize that that word is not something that you ask for. Having sex with someone is because two people feel connected to each other and they're both equal participants, not because one person looks at the other like an item that they want to use. And that's what we've confused. We've confused young people into understanding what this is fucking all about. And when I open my speech, the very first thing I will say when I get on that stage is 99% of what you see on the internet will never happen for you. And don't ever ask a girl to do it for you. These are things that you should be having a conversation with your partner about. Yes, absolutely. And I totally agree with you that most people, especially those who grew up in the free clip generation, they don't understand the difference between sex and porn, which is so frustrating. Tell you what, I mentor a lot of young girls that aren't in the industry and none of them are straight. Hmm. None of them want to mess with guys because the young guys I know, because I have sex with a lot of young guys, they have a much different and very aggressive way to have sex. So they, they've been smacked. These girls have been punched in the face during oh sex. They've been choked to the point where they could barely breathe. But that's what porn is now. So yeah. these young guys see this and think that that's normal. Now, that said, let's go back to the UK age verification thing, because we've spoken on the show a little while back about it, and I have my concerns, frankly, with it. And especially knowing that MindGeek is leading the way with this, here's my biggest issue with the age verification system. It's a great concept, you know, wanting to, especially those who are at a young age where we feel that they haven't fully developed or have a fully formed understanding of what sex is, you know, wanting to restrict that content much like we would with movies. It makes sense. However, my biggest concern is that frankly, I mean, first off, in order to verify your age, you have to generally verify it via an identification. So passport, driver's license. No, actually, they're going to have an ID scan card. So what's going to happen is all the IPLs and VPNs and every address is going to be registered. Is there a family at this house? Is there a minor under 18? Mm -hmm. There's going to be facial recognition on these cards. And these cards are going to have an automatic scan onto the computer that's going to allow access or not allow access. Then it's going to match the face with the ID on the cards. So there's going to be no young kid being able to use his brothers. So here's my concern now. You still have an identification of a person linked to their porn viewing habits. And knowing how horrendous a lot of these companies like MindGeek have been when it comes to keeping their data safe and secure. I mean, I think everybody can remember the Ashley Madison hack. And MindGeek has had at least three major hacks similar to that in the last five years. So my biggest concern is, frankly, now you have an entire country and the people who are utilizing this, you know, age verification system, all their viewing habits potentially 
possibly being leaked within the next few years. And there's, and there's not too I many think repercussions. What I think is going to happen is I think DVD sales will go up in England because I think yeah. people would rather just watch a DVD than if they are worried about a paper trail on their identity, then they mm-hmm. will be back watching uh, DVDs. But here's the problem. Uh, if they don't do this, England's going to enforce teachers to start teaching about porn. Teachers feel that this is a gray area because they don't know the religion of these children, what their parents are going to think, what their parents have told them. We're living in a larger rape culture than anyone realizes, especially here in the United States. Two out of every four girls will be sexually assaulted before she's 18. And then out of those four girls, two out of another four, those same four girls will be sexually assaulted if she goes to college in the United States. Now, We're no longer using the buddy system and girls let their friends leave somewhere drunk and then they get picked up in Uber and awful things happen. Whereas with my friends and my generation, we always stayed together. We didn't leave each other. There's a lot of things though, because these men have an idea that they can take advantage because they have watched. The stuff that's put out there, I teach young girls this. Mm -hmm. When you're with a new partner, first thing you say is, I am a willing participant. So that means I don't want to be forced into anything. I don't want to be choked, held down, smacked, hit, spit. I want to be able to have some sort of a signal with you when I need you to stop because every girl, young girl I talked to says the first time that she got whacked across her face was like mind-blowing. And because that's in so many scenes... And then also we're having a big problem with incest in the United States. And that's coming from porn as well, because there's all these mommy scenarios and all these stepbrother scenarios, which is something that I've really been talking to mind geek about. This is not appropriate. Like when we were releasing DVDs. We couldn't do this in the United States. It wasn't legal just because this is the internet and it's a free for all. doesn't mean you should be forcing girls that potentially were sexually abused in their real life to be acting out a scene where they're doing some sort of incestual thing. Like there's no question here. You don't know what these girls have already been through. So on the talent end, there's one thing, but I get your worry about the concern, but it is going to be much easier to find people who are doing things like watching child pornography, searching for child pornography, rape, uh, revenge porn. It's also going to break down like in Germany where they're not able to go to someone's house and say, we think your son is addicted to porno because we know that he's watching 13 hours a day and he's watching a lot of rape scenes. So we're going to put him in a rehab. We are now going to be able to look at the effects of this. And I think it's a really great idea because Parents don't know what type of scenes are out there because they don't really watch Pornhub. They don't really watch Brazzers. They might go and watch an old DVD that they watched years ago, but they don't know how much it's changed. And I'm always telling my friends who have teenagers like, dude, you need to watch this shit. You need to understand what your kid is seeing on a regular basis. And I know that another advantage is now because it'll be linked to an email address and more likely also some sort of payment factor that more people will be more than likely to pay for their porn, which, I mean, we're always encouraging that on our show anyway, which is great because the industry needs it uh, because we now have raised a generation that is so used to not paying for porn. But I'm curious about the system itself on how they're going to be. You mentioned it's a facial scan. I'm curious. Yeah, I have a friend that's working with one of the ID card companies. He used to work here in the U.S. Now he's working with a company in London. So I'm kind of getting the information from him, which is very interesting. But, you know, as for paying for porn, I just don't think it's going to happen with the mindset. You think it's not coming back? It's not. This business is done. The only people making money are MindGeek. They own 80% of the business now. I produce content for my site. My site makes one-tenth of what it made 
10 years ago. The interesting thing is this, more people know who we are than ever. So if you want to sell a book or you want to do personal appearances or you want to feature dance, the clubs are busier and you make more money than ever because everyone knows who you are. But when it comes to actually the industry, I imagine that all the distribution companies will be closed and out of business in the next five years. Interesting. Yeah, it's definitely going to be something else watching that unfold. What's neat now is like we now have so much interaction live, right? So I can go on my OnlyFans page and I can just hit the cam button and I can be live anywhere I want. So it's more about fans can get all the free content they want at Pornhub, but your true fans will pay for a little membership to see organic content and see stuff that you're shooting yourself. Like they like photos that I shoot myself of myself, which is funny me standing there with a timer in a room by myself, but you have to be craftier than ever. And for what I used to do, one thing for one paycheck. Now to get that same paycheck, I have to do about 10 things, but that's how the world changes. You know what I mean? It it is what it is. Yeah. You have to change and adapt with it. You really do. The digital era has done that to a lot of professions. Sure. Sure. I mean, look, even there's bands that have gone out on the road more than ever because nobody wants to pay for music, but they can kill it on tour because everyone's coming to their shows. So that said, we have some fun patrons to thank. Like My Humble, Richard Harrell, Stranger in a Strange Land, Daniel Forcier, Jason Mitchell, Brian Gowdy, Andrew Gore, and Michael Gatt. And you can become a patron yourself by joining us at patreon.com slash two girls one mic. You can also find all the details at two girls one mic.com. Lisa, where can our fans and listeners find you? Twitter and Instagram at the real Lisa Ann. My website is thelisaann.com. And uh, I look forward to the feedback and I really enjoy your podcast and I, I'm really honored to be on it. So I thank you guys for making the time for me today. Lisa, you've been fantastic. And Yvette, where can our listeners find you as usual? Y'all can find me at, at the Cybabe on Twitter and Instagram and at facebook.com slash Cybabe where I'm delivering science snark and my exhausted face right now. Uh, Alice, where can our listeners find you and our podcasts? Well, if they're listening to our podcast, it's probably available to them on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, and all the places you can find a podcast nowadays, iHeartRadio, you name it. But myself, I am at Rational blonde on Twitter because I try being rational and blonde and yeah, I'm nailing one of them. So (laughs) one comes naturally, the other one you have to try for and you're, see, see, so I know I really try with the dying of the blonde. I really try, but listeners, thanks for joining us this week. Lisa, you've been fantastic. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I look forward to listening back to this and to all your listeners. Have a great day and be happy. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.